and welcome back to The Catch. My name is Michael Adams. I'm joined by my co-host today, John Rahimi. Yeah, what's up, everyone? How y'all doing? John's had our theme song stuck in his head, but it's kind of been going back and forth between that and the whole John Cena theme song. We're getting confused between the two of them, so we're trying to get them straight right now. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, what are you humming? Like, my theme song. I'm like, you're not John Cena. I'm like, shut up. Yes, I am. Um, I don't know if I told head. you. You're this. getting closer. Shoot. You're right. I didn't even think about it. He's not bald anymore, though. That's He's true. Hair. He's like uh, Ben Erlacher, or Brian Erlacher with the whole, you know, the Rogaine. <laughs> restore restore yeah, hair. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Every other billboard in Chicago. Um, I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you about my, my recent discovery of my health? No. Hopefully it's oh. all good. Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's fine, but it's just, it's a great travesty for me. Uh, I found oh, yeah. out that I'm lactose intolerant. Did I tell I'm you that? so sorry for you. I'm Dude, so sorry it is, for you. It's, <laughs> it's been difficult and I've been kind of like ignoring it, pretending it's not really a problem. Like we went to Baskin Robbins the other day and I was like, give me that ice cream. I'm going to pound that right now. Cause when it comes to ice cream, that Jonas Brothers song, sucker, like that's me. I'm like, Ooh. Second by you, just pounding ice cream constantly. It's like, this is terrible for my though. body. I know, right? <laughs> just you dance no, with the big giant quart of it. It sucks. It's so bad. Like the pill, you're supposed to like these lactate pills or whatever, and it's just like they don't do anything. And it's like, oh, I need like five to counteract how much ice cream I put into my body. So I was like, they probably work for the average person. It's just it doesn't recommend <laughs> you eating three whole tubs of ice cream every night. Yeah, there was a quote from someone that said, like, a serving size of ice cream is when your spoon hits the bottom of, like, the tub. It's like, that's pretty accurate. No, I think I actually might be lactose intolerant. I've been told I am oh, really? by other people. Like, people around me have told me that, which is when you usually are like, maybe I should check it out. But I'm just never going to check it out because I don't want to do that to myself. Because if I know I'm lactose intolerant, then I'm going to make excuses for me not to, like, love cheese as much as I do or, like, love nachos or, like, love ice cream or love milkshakes. I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't eat that. Right now, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm fine. I can eat as much as I want, and I enjoy life. It's true, though, because we went to Culver's the other day, and I was, like, looking at the menu, and, okay, double cheeseburger. Yeah. Freaking concrete mixer. Yeah. And it's, like, fries or cheese curds. And I was like, well, oh, you know, my stomach's a little sensitive. I should probably just do fries. I got fries instead of cheese curds, which I never do. And I was wrong answer. I was so mad. Stupid lactose problem. What a joke. I can't even drink milk now. It's just this whole thing. It's tough. I'm struggling. So if people could pray for that, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm not going to put myself through that. I don't think I'm strong (laughs) enough to, or do I want to be, (laughs) I don't want to have the strength. Yeah. Uh, There's no easy segue into this topic. So we're just going to, we're just going to transition very abruptly. Um, so this topic, just to, as a disclaimer is kind of the fruit of a year for me. Um, I just finished my, my first year of seminary and this has kind of been like the big, big takeaway for me. And when I say big takeaway, I mean like, I've just realized this and I haven't really applied it to my life really, but I want to. So we're going to talk about it because you know, we're just here to have a conversation. We're just talking. We're riffing. We're riffing. But there is something um, beautiful in that, even if it isn't something that you've made the change to. Yeah. That the force of knowing what needs to be done and knowing the steps that need to be taken is so much more powerful than just like, you know, spiraling out of control, being like, well, I have no idea where to go. I don't know what direction to go. I don't know what's next for me. At least having yeah. that direction and knowing that answer, it empowers you to actually make the changes or do the things that need to be done. 
Yeah. And I've teased this topic a bunch to Michael last week and I just want to hear your thoughts on it. So whatever comes to mind, I'm just, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Cause it's kind of, I think it, yeah, it's personal to me and I think it's personal to a lot of people. Um, uh, yeah. So basically what I want to talk about today is dependence and receptivity. Uh, and then looking at our wonderful blessed mother Mary as the kind of example that we should all look to of how to live our lives in this way. So that sound good. I'm ready. Ready to rumble. Uh, David McCormick said he was going to get lost listening to this. So I'm just going to periodically check in with him to make sure that he's okay. So David, I hope you're okay. And that made sense. Just introducing this. We'll check in along the way, see how he's doing. Now uh, I want to start with a quote. This quote comes from uh, a great role model and, uh, kind of mentor for me this past year, kind of helped make this a reality. Uh, Father John Neppel from my favorite podcast. Catholic stuff you should know. Shout you out mean to them. Your favorite yeah. podcast isn't The Catch? Uh, shoot, I've been outed. Sorry. Anyways, um, I'm going to borrow this line from him because it really struck me. I think kind of made me realize how much this has been important to me the last year and how much I really want to start living this. But he says, <clears throat> dependence is the basic truth of the human person. So to be human is to be dependent. Uh, And I think that's really, really contrary to like everything that we see nowadays, especially in America. We just have a very kind of uh, do it yourself mentality and we don't need anyone else. It's all about you um, consuming things and your pleasure and your thing. It's all about me. There's no room for the other, right? The other person to kind of come into that. So, uh, just get your thoughts on that initial kind of line. No, I think that strike. No, I think that sounds exactly on. As human beings, if we were fully independent, what would the need for God be? Exactly, there would be no need for there to be a God because we wouldn't Mm -hmm. be perfect, and we're obviously not. It (laughs) takes away that. I don't know. It takes away that aspect of having God. Actually, it kind of strikes me. I was going to bring up later, but I might as well bring it up now. It's as good as ever. Um, Yeah. I was, I was recommended this book called Searching for and Maintaining Peace by mm-hmm. Father Jacques Philippe. Jackie Phillips. Jackie Phillips, yes. Um, he's a great author. Uh, I highly recommend him to everyone out there. He's got great stuff. I'm on book number three of his right now. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm flying through them. Uh, awesome. But one thing that he says here that kind of struck me was if the Lord did not permit us from time to time to do wrong, to acquire some imperfection, we would be in great danger. We would quickly fall into presumptuousness and contempt of others. We would forget that everything comes freely from God. And that's exactly what your entire quote kind of brings me up to is just that idea of we are blessed with this free will and given this ability to make mistakes. And the reason that is, is so we can fall back and depend on God. It's like at the root of our beings is this great need and desire to be reunited and to lean on God to lift us up and lead us within this life. Yeah. And it's not just because God is some like, you know, narcissist who's like, it's all about me and I need you all to like depend on me. He's not needy in that way, but it's for our sake, right? It's because we are creatures. We're created by God. So if we're created, created beings, then someone created us that someone is God. So 
we are dependent upon our creator, right? Like if I draw something, I created that drawing. The drawing is dependent on me who created it. It doesn't get to tell the, <laughs> it doesn't get to tell the thing that says, I don't need you. If, it, if the drawing said that to me, it wouldn't exist, right? So if we say that to God saying, I don't need you and I deny you and my need for you, we're not living kind of in accord with who we are. We're not living in reality, essentially, because in reality, we are creatures, we're made. And if we say that we don't need God, then we're not, there's a disharmony there. So I think it's just important at the, at the outset here to lay that foundation and say that we are creatures and we depend on God. Now, a little background. So we've got these cool peeps uh, at the beginning of time. Remember their, remember their names, Michael? Hmm. I believe they were named Adam and Eve. That is correct for a thousand imaginary points. Yes. What can I change this for? Uh, I don't know. I was going to say time out of purgatory, but I don't think that works like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have the authority for that. Probably not. This isn't like the 1500s in the church. Anyways, moving on. Uh, oop. Uh, so Adam and Eve, right? They are in the garden and what do they do? They grasp at something, uh, a choice piece of fruit, since we love talking about food. Uh, not a milkshake, not a delicious concrete mixer, but a choice piece of fruit. It's not an apple, by the way. They never talk about an apple. So Hot take. Hot take. It's not in the they, Bible. No, so no, no. Hot, hot take. Oh. They were lactose intolerant and that's why they chose <laughs> I feel so much more relatable to them now. <laughs> you guys heard it here first. Thank you for that. Um, right, okay, so Adam and Eve, they, they grasp. They reach and they think, I don't need to depend on God. I didn't depend on myself to receive all the knowledge that I need and to kind of have a fuller life. Um, and where does that lead them? Into, big S word, sin. sin. Yep, that's right. So it goes terribly wrong when they, when they grasp um, and try to do it all themselves, and they don't depend on God. Fast forward like a bajillion years, because uh, the Bible kind of plays fast and loose with time, and I don't know how many years it was. Some scholar can come and correct us later. But we come to Mary in Nazareth. So Mary, um, we call her the new Eve, right? So she kind of takes what Eve did wrong and kind of a course correction, just like Jesus did. So for Mary, right, it's uh, a total reception. I'm going to come back to this over and over again as, as we talk, but she's so important because she is the one who totally receives from God. There's no, she has free will, just like Eve did, but instead of grasping and trying to take grace, like trying to, I, I deserve that, give me that. Um, we can't take grace. We can't take God's life from him. He only gives it freely. So Mary fully receives that grace into herself. And that's why we call her full of grace because she has been filled totally through her receptivity to it. When you grasp at it, you're not filled because you only take as much as you think you can handle or only as much as you want, quote unquote. Um, but Mary receives it totally and she's filled. So we look at like Luke one, when she goes and visits her cousin, um, she said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages call me blessed. So it's a beautiful line where it's focused. She's totally focused on her lowliness and her dependence on God, who then exalts her. It's a kind of a huge twist plot twist where, uh, you know, she doesn't 
quote unquote do anything. She doesn't grasp at it. She just receives it. And now she's exalted and is now blessed ages later. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. And I think that fights today's culture too. Cause we look at like mm-hmm. the people in our life who are exalted. You see the celebrities, you see the athletes, you see the businessmen, people who like really just took it upon themselves to go out and achieve greatness. And because of that, because of their own efforts, they're being exalted. And like the whole idea of Mary just completely contradicts what we are taught, what it means to be exalted and what it means to be favored in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she bears real fruit because of it too. Right. It's not like, um, like those people like today, I mean, you do give things, um, when you have that position of, you know, exaltation, but she bears the real fruit of God because of her lowliness and her receptivity. She receives the spirit. And then what does she bear? What's the fruit of her womb is Jesus. Like there's nothing more important than that. Um, and we're called to do the same as to bear Christ in our life, to bear that fruit to others by receiving everything. Um, and Jesus then is also the example of that for you. He says like, I've received everything from the father, everything the father has, he has given me. Um, so Jesus himself is showing us because he's perfectly human and perfectly divine in in himself and his person that to be fully human means to receive everything from God as he has. Um, and then to give it all back in a gift of total self, which he does on the cross. Um, and then draws us into that through the rest of the Paschal mystery and the Ascension. So it's, we just see it play out through history. Like salvation history just shows us this beautiful pattern of this is how important receptivity is. Like this is what brought us, our salvation. This is how we're called to enter into that and to fully receive it now in this age. Yeah. Something I just wanted to ask you too, because we're talking about this whole balance between receptivity and the grasping, you know, what is it within the human heart that draws this tendency towards grasping versus reception? Mm, that is a great question. And I think this is going to cut deep, it cut deep for me when I thought about it, but I think it's, uh, a fear of the unknown, which I know we've talked about a lot and you've talked a lot about, um, like it's a personal struggle for both of us. And I know for a lot of people is like, we are so terrified of things that are unknown to us. Um, I remember when I was being sent off on a poverty immersion back in January, like I didn't know where I was getting sent to. And the days leading up to that were agony because I was so scared because I didn't know what was ahead of me and what that was going to be like. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I should leave seminary. Like all of these things, all these crazy thoughts just start coming up. And that fear like really grips us. And then we start to grasp at like, I need to find some kind of control. Let me grasp to something. And it's not going to be God because he's not giving me what I want right now. So I think that's my take on it. I don't know about what you, what you see. No, I think that's kind of spot on. It's that idea of, you know, oh, uh, oh Jesus take the wheel song. A good old classic, but it's kind of like, you know, when you're out of control and you're kind of, you just feel like you don't have any say or control in what's going on around you. It's like, okay, well, I need to grab something to hold on to, like some sort of like self-reliance. I need to take care of myself, make sure that I am, my safety is insured, my well-being is insured. And so all of a sudden I'm reaching for anything and everything that I can hold on to that'll just give me some sort of sense of security. Whereas oftentimes when we're in these situations, the exact opposite would bring us that fulfillment. I can't mm-hmm. remember what saying it was. Um, I want to say it was St. John of the cross. Maybe it was one of the books I'm reading currently who talked about this idea of, you know, you'll find fulfillment of all desires. Like when you truly let go, or like 
when you let mm. go of everything and have nothing is where you will like find everything your heart ever desired. Is that whole idea of just like abandoning oneself to God's will and abandoning oneself to whatever God sees fit, um, a challenge and something truly terrifying for me personally. Um, but I think it's something that holds a lot of weight in a lot of our hearts. I think so too. And I think it's like, uh, it's a matter of like everything. If you're really dependent, like a child is dependent. Um, like we have nephews and like we see like, they're so needy. They need everything. Um, like Christ talks about, you know, whoever acquires the heart of a child, we need to acquire that childlike heart, like not be childish and like bratty and like kind of demanding, give me this or I'm going to leave or be angry at you. But like needy in the sense of, I need this from you because I can't do it myself. Um, but that means we have to give everything over to him. Like you just said there, like I have to let go of it all. Um, the good and the bad stuff. Like, there are good parts of my personality that I think God can use. I'm like, well, he'll just use those and I'll depend on him for that stuff. But the bad stuff or vice versa, like I have the bad parts of my personality. I'll just depend on him for those bad parts and he'll help me with that. And the good stuff. Yeah, that's, I got that under control. That's just me. No, it's gotta be everything. Like God wants to like plunder our hearts really. And like consume everything that we even might not dare offer him. So like, looking at Mary again, she does that. Like we see her do that. She's like, uh, I am, yeah, like be done to me according to thy word. Whatever you ask, I will do. And she doesn't even see the fruit of it. I mean, she does, but like, um, she didn't need to know to say yes. Like she was, she was a creature just like us. She was human. She was sinless, but she was still human. Um, like we don't need, I think that's a, a huge temptation for me at least is like, I need to see what this is going to be good for. Uh, otherwise I'm not going to you know, give you that because I want to know where, like, can I, where, where's my money going? You're like, where's my investment going? Um, is this really going to bear fruit? Am I going to see the return on investment? But we don't need to see that because whatever God wants to do, that's good. Yeah, exactly. And there's two kind of different parallels that brings to mind for me. We were talking about abandonment. Um, going back to my old good friend, Jackie Philip, Philippi. Um, just going to keep saying his name wrong until he listens to us and comments about it. Um, but one of his chapters is titled one abandons oneself completely or not at all. And he talks about this, like this danger that we have to just kind of sector our existence into different areas and be like, well, I'll abandon this one part of me because I know that if I abandon it, whatever happens to it, oh, well, who cares if I lose it? It's kind of like when you're investing in stocks, like you have your high risk stocks, you have your low risk stocks, you know, you invest a little bit of money in the high risk. You're like, if I lose a hundred bucks, oh, well but I'll invest a thousand dollars in the conservative because I know that that's protected and it's going to be less likely that I lose it. It's kind of that same idea what we do with our own relationship with God and within our own lives. It's like, I'll let God control this one area of my life, but not this other one, because if he takes that away, I don't know what I'll do. I'm not ready yeah. to risk that. And the very following chapter is, a, I remember like it struck me so hard when I read it. And I remember I just kind of sat there for like 30 minutes. It's like, what did I just read? Mm -hmm. um, and it's titled God asks for everything but he doesn't necessarily take everything. And I think that's wow. such a beautiful realization that we need to come to is that he wants you to be okay with abandoning yourself to him, but he mm -hmm. only takes what he sees fit. He's not just going to take everything for the sake of taking everything, anything that he would need to take or anything that he would need to remove, remove would only be so to further on his mission and to further glorify him it would not be anything just for like, haha, 
I'm going to pluck that out of John's life because I think it'd be funny to see how he reacts. This is not how how God works. I mean, if we believe God is this, God is love. We believe he's this all loving being. What satisfaction and what joy would he get from just taking out things of our life just for the sake of us to suffer? Yeah, none, none at all, I would say. And I think what, what comes to mind is right. Like dependence on others. So like on God and even the people in our life too, like, we're, we're relational. So we, we de- dependence is the, uh, the basic truth, truth of the human person that doesn't just apply in relationship to God. It reply, it uh, also refers to our relationship with each other. Like I'm dependent on you, not codependent, but I am dependent on you. Um, but it leaves us at the mercy of, you know, what we can't control when we're dependent on another person. And the image that I'm getting is uh, I think of the, the pearl of great price, right? Is this image of, I was, this is kind of like, this is a great revelation for me when I was sitting with this the other day, but like we have like, you go to the vendor, you know, kind of in the marketplace, imagine yourself there. And there's a big kiosk with just tons and tons and tons of pearls. And you've got your little card of like all of your possessions with you. You're like, Oh, that's nice. Let me go rustle through those, um, those pearls and you find like a nice one and another nice one and another nice one. Oh my gosh. And then like, finally like, you found this really big one. Like, wow. This is like, this is the pearl that I want. Give me that one. I'm going to take that for myself. And then finally you look up and it's like, Oh, there's actually like a person who's running this booth. He's trying to tell me something. Uh, and that something is he's offering another pearl. This really small one, not as big as one that I had. And it's like, Oh crap. But he really wants me to have it. And the dude knows pearls like no one's business. Like he, he runs this store. So I should trust him. He knows everything there is to know about the pearls. Um, but his price is everything that I have. Um, so I would, I, I guess I like clarify what you said. Like, I think God does want everything from us, but not like for a bad sake. He wants it so that he can do something good with it. And we have to trust him that he's not just taking it. Like you said, like just to make us suffer to see like, our reaction. Like he wants that whole cart of your possessions in return for this pearl of great price, this beautiful thing that will, ultimately satisfy us and like we'll sell everything to take it um but a lot of us myself included here <laughs> don't trust that um if i give god everything what's he gonna do with my cart you know like is he gonna you know, throw it off into like the dumpster is he gonna like sell those to some people who don't deserve it like i don't know like what is he gonna do with my stuff um so we're very like clinging to that and we need to let go and let him take everything so that he can give us that one thing that is going to fulfill us which is himself yeah, easy enough, right? Easy answer. Yeah, easy answer. Yeah, and no, I, I keep uh, thinking about this image. Um, I watched the movie The Replacements a few uh, days ago, which is a really great, funny, classic 90s, early 2000s football movie. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they're talking about fears at one point. And one of the fears that gets brought up is this idea of quicksand. Like the reason it's like quicksand, it's like, okay, everything is going great, you know, and then you fall into quicksand, it's like, the harder you fight, the further you fall. And everyone knows about quicksand. Like you're, what you're supposed to do is supposed to stand very still and wait for someone. Like, the harder you fight, mm-hmm. the faster you sink. I think that's yeah. kind of what we do in the spiritual life too. It's like, uh-oh, something dangerous or something threatening is within the view. And so here I am mm-hmm. going to fight. I'm going to busy myself. I'm going to do as much as I can. But then that thing overwhelms us and it consumes us even more than it was before that. That's kind of what yeah. brings to mind with like that idea of, you know, giving this thing, giving your cart would be beautiful. And you know that that pearl would be worthwhile. 
mm-hmm. but also what about everything I'm giving? You know, what is going to mm-hmm. happen to that? It's like, I want to clench on yeah. it. I want to hold that. Like, I don't want that to fall in the quicksand yet. Like, I'm not quite done with it. Like, I want both. Like, can't yes. you just give yeah. me the pearl for free? You know, <laughs> I don't want to sacrifice all this stuff. Yeah, that's such a good way of looking at it. I love it. Um, yeah, I think like, uh, I just want to clarify too, like, this doesn't mean that we do uh, like nothing. It's not like we're... Uh, these limp kind of Catholics, right? That we don't do anything. We just kind of sit around. It's like, no, like there's a real activity that we need to have. Um, not activism, right? Activism is kind of something that John Paul and other popes and writers have kind of clearly and forcefully condemned as not good. And it's kind of a problem with our, our age now, but um, like activism leads to a minimalist ethic. Like if we, if we're, participating in this activism it's just like i need to do all these things so that i can do all of the things um not so that i can like do it well like perfectionists might think i'm doing it well but in reality like you're just checking it off so that your list will be totally complete that's where the perfection is it's not in the actual activity itself um so it just promotes the sense of like i will do as little as possible to check the list off so that i have like look it up look at all the stuff that i did you know um but the the, the christian activity is the one that is um, kind of, I think something we've talked about a lot recently, but looking at Mary again, like in the scriptures, it says she pondered all these things in her heart and the activity that we're called to is this constant renewal of effort. And our effort needs to be directed towards that pondering and that, uh, contemplating of what is God trying to give me? What is he, what is he asking me to receive and trying to return to that receptive posture over and over again? Cause it's, we constantly veer over to the, the doing, the grasping, the taking for ourselves. So our effort and our activity is one of renewal and moving back towards um, receptivity. Yeah, I think something that's revealed to me through prayer, I think it was actually maybe only two nights ago, um, <laughs> was this idea of just how great the love is of God mm-hmm. to offer me a role within this story and offer mm-hmm. me the ability to participate and play an active role within my life story, within the story of salvation, within the story of others' lives, just how intimate he wanted me to be a part of my own spiritual development. And I think I talked to you this about this maybe only a week ago, about my frustration with just this idea of I just have to wait for everything to come to me. It's like, no, like God wants you to play an important role. Like, yes, he wants to give you these things, but he wants you to be a part of the journey. I think yes. Mary is a beautiful example of this, because in my mind, when I was a kid, I remember being like, well, why, why was Mary necessary? You know, why was she necessary for the story? You know, mm-hmm. just didn't make sense to me when I was a kid. I was like, if he's God, like, couldn't he have just done it really easily? Like, snap his fingers? Growing <laughs> up and maturing, I'm like, I, I realized the purpose of this all, and it makes more sense. But I think Mary plays a really great role and kind of shows to us the humanity and the care for humanity that God has being able to say, Mary, like, you play an important role in the story of salvation. You play an important role in Jesus's life. Like you will play an important role for the rest of time and the rest Mm -hmm. of Christianity. And just the ability to say that, no, it isn't like we humans are just sitting here deemed unworthy and we just have to Mm -hmm. sit here and wait for everything to come from God. And that's it. It's like, no, we play an active role. He wants us to be an active participant within that journey. We're not just little mindless pawns in a game of chess. Yeah. That's, that's spot on, dude. I mean, it's, it's not that at all. Um, she's 
are a great example. And unfortunately they like, I mean, this started a lot earlier, but like the whole kind of modern culture, which starts hundreds of years ago, but it's been moving this way. And it's even more um, clear now is one that says like doing and producing is the most important thing. So that's what gives you like your worth in society is how much you do, how much you produce and receptivity has no place. Um, before I go on, I just want to make sure David, hopefully you're still on board with us and you're still following everything. But I think it's really sad. I was just talking to one of my, uh, one of my buddies here uh, at the rectory, but his insight was so good. Like this is why uh, men and women have such a hard time today is because of this radical shift away from receptivity um, for men. It's now, Oh, well like re receptivity doesn't matter. I don't have to like really receive anything. It's all about doing and like more challenges, more production of myself, like giving, giving, giving. I don't receive anything. I don't know how to be in touch with like what's really going on and how to receive things. Um, and then for women, it's like, their whole genius is receptivity, right? And John Paul's theology body is that women are made to receive. And now we're telling them as a society that receptivity is bad and it's worthless. So, well, if humans want to be like in relation with one another, their only way to do that is then to switch over to the other side and take on the doing. But now they're at odds with themselves. And like, I hear women talk all the time. Like, I just want to be known. It's like, well, why do you keep talking about that? Of course you talk about that because you're at odds with a culture that says you need to do this, but in reality, like you are this and you should be this and we should learn how to do that. Like there was a great line and I don't know where I heard it, but like women show life to humanity, like what it is to live because dependence and receptivity, that's the basic truth of humanity that women show us so well and live out so well that men need to learn how to cultivate a lot better because we don't, because we've been told like, this is, they kind of attacked our genius, which is to give of ourselves. And they made that like, that's all there is, is just constant giving without any sort of reception and relation. I think it's important to clarify too, with the women, like we talked about, like, yes, they're part of their genus is to receive. And again, mm -hmm. like we talked about like how in the men, their genus is to give. And now that's all it is. I think there's a big kind of dynamic challenge here with like women. It's like, women either are only receptive or they are only giving. It's, there's yeah. no real happy medium ground there. And mm -hmm. I think that's a big reason that a lot of the new feminist movements have been birthed is out of this idea of, well, people have done all of these things for us. Like we can be strong. We can be independent. Like we aren't less than men, which again, just to say like we completely agree with. Mm -hmm. I think that's just one of the things that's been a tougher thing for women to grasp onto is that, culture has told them no you are not to receive you are to be the leader you are to be the provider you are to be the giver and it almost condemns the idea of being able to take time and receive which we know mm -hmm. to be important for both parties both men and women yep. and it's almost like the shame is brought to people who are like you know what i depend on so and so for this or i depend on xyz person for this and mm -hmm. i do receive it almost brings upon this guilt like well why are you receiving why aren't you just doing it yourself like why would you put yourself in a state where someone could hurt you when you could just do it yourself you know yeah. it's that whole idea of just this false independency um, mm -hmm. 
I think a lot of it too comes from something that strike me is just uh, this idea of just filling holes within our hearts with things that busy us around us. It's like, I have all these things going on personally that I don't want to deal with. So it's like, I'm just going to go busy myself and give of myself and just distract myself from these problems. And yeah. I think again, Mary gives the perfect example of this because I mean, Mary literally watches her own son be mm-hmm. tortured and put to death. Um, like we know Mary's example lives on through that. So not like her story ended. It's like mm-hmm. she just completely forgot about that struggle and just busied herself. It wasn't like how she, you know, it's not how she got back to peace. It's not how she found God. It's not how she restored everything. It's not how she became the woman she is. You know, it's an idea of just, no, it's okay to take time and fill these holes with God. She didn't look out of, outside of herself. She didn't look to the disciples to fill these holes. She didn't look to Joseph to fill these holes. Well, Joseph wasn't around, but still didn't look to the people in her life or activities. She looked to God to restore these mm-hmm. holes. Yeah. And to restore them in the way that like uh, he restores them, not by just like satisfying them and like only filling them. He fills them in such a way that they, they then expand. Like it's a, it's a growth and a stretching so that we can receive more and be more open to the other, more open to him. Um, I think it's like Mary is such a beautiful example again of for both men and women of like learning how to stand what our posture looks like before God is one of receptivity to receive everything as a creature because she's a creature just like us. Like it's harder for us, I think, to grasp like how does Jesus receive everything because he's God um, as well as man. So it's very difficult to kind of, kind of, I don't know, reconcile those. But Mary is like, she's human. <laughs> she's a creature. And yet she stands before God, totally receptive. Um, and she ponders those things in a way that then allows her to receive them and stretch her heart open more to grow closer to him and depend even more on him and the others in her life. So like, I guess for, for me, it's been trying to find out like, how do I depend more on the people around me? Like, and not have to feel guilty about like someone doing something for me and being like, it's okay that I depend on it. Even in really small things, like someone taking my plate off the table before I have a chance to do it for them. It's like, I can get really bitter about that and think, Oh, I should have, oh, I should have done that myself. I'm bad. It's like, no, they're, I'm allowing myself to depend on them in a very small, simple way. But just practicing that now, like especially with people being stuck at home still for a little bit longer, like how do you depend on the people in your immediate community to practice this receptivity and dependence in the relationship with God? Because if we don't practice it in reality, we're not going to do it with the true reality with God. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you're hitting it all spot on there. I have no comments. I'm just sitting here. No comments. In, David, I hope you're still following. I'm, just, I'm sitting here receiving you. Good. Receiving That's your good. words. That's it. Receiving your wisdom. I mean, I'm practicing what you're preaching. Amen. That's so good. I think, yeah, just to, like, Mary is our, is our crowning example of how to, how to be human for men and women, especially in today's culture of, like, how to really do activity well in our relationship with God and each other. and how to, you know, praise the beautiful gift that is femininity and is receptivity um, to not diminish that in any way or think that that's weak or worthless. So it's not. Um, and for, for men to really take on that fullness a little bit more of like, how do I receive better from those around me and from God? So it's not all about me being like a perfectionist, crazy person. That was to myself. <laughs> um, but, and for women just to like understand that, yeah, like as much as you do receive that, uh, like Mary, you bear fruit 
um, from that reception. It's not just about holding it all in. It's like you then pour it out and give life. So it's, she's just a very beautiful example. And if you struggle with that um, relationship with Mary, she's not on the, on the forefront of your mind all the time. I really encourage everyone to just spend time like thinking about that and thinking about what that must've been like for her to receive that message from the angel at the Annunciation, what it looks like for her to be your mother, to receive that love for her, from her and how she receives as a, as a daughter. It's just spend time with Mary. Easy answer. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, I think that's all I got. Unless you have any closing comments you want to throw in there. No, I think you hit it right on the head there. Um, yeah. There's a balance between that dependency and that self-reliance. Um, be fully dependent on God is the quick answer. But yeah, I think both both genders have a unique ability to receive and give, mm-hmm. you know, be cared for and to care for, you know, both are able to give, both are able to receive um, in their own unique ways. And I think, yeah, I look to Mary and I mean, I think there's other saints that you can look to of just examples of how that's worked for history and for people throughout times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if it's a challenge. I know John and I both have a challenge within our own hearts of just perfectionism. Um, and I think there's no better place to start than the life of Jesus for how to combat that. And there's no better place to look for the life of Jesus than where it starts in Mary. Um, so yeah, follow the example, challenge yourself. I've been one who has struggled with the relationship with Mary for years and, uh, it's until recently in the past two years that I've really been able to sort of mm-hmm. grasp the importance of it. So just, I challenge you to allow yourself to wrestle with it, even if it's not fun and even if it's not yeah. ideal wrestle with it and just see what comes of it because something probably decent will come yeah i think so and just again be be patient this is this is the work of a lifetime this is like as i said at the beginning i just recognized that like this is what was going on this is kind of what i'm feeling god invite me into more um and that's going to take a lifetime to really like keep working at so be patient with yourself um it's a it's a constant daily practice of putting yourself before god and trying to just receive and be curious be open to him um, and wonder at him. That's kind of the adjectives of what it looks like to be receptive and not trying to impose our own will on him. So not a lot of practical stuff here, but I think it's just good stuff for us to reflect on and chew on a little bit, come back to over and over again. um, And we find ourselves drifting away, come back to this receptivity and dependence on God. That's what it means to be human. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, brother. Well, David, you know, we hope that you followed along. You're still on here. If not, we understand, David. We get it. Um, we'll get it. You're just, it you some other you're time. trying. Yeah. But everyone, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, we appreciate it far more than you know. Uh, reach out to us with any feedback or comments or requests. John and I take them to heart very closely and dearly. Uh, but you can reach us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. Again, please pray for us. Um, We're all busy and we'll be praying for you. And if there's any special intentions you have, let us know. Um, I think that's all we got. So until next time, we will see you all later. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.